Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Wine from On the Vine to the Road Tasted. I'm Brian. And I'm Jasmine. And she's Jasmine. And this week we are talking about Temecula wineries. Uh, one in specific, but we visited uh, four wineries. Uh, so we're going to go into that. Uh, Jasmine has some facts about the Temecula Valley. And then I'm going to talk about... One of our, our wineries. Yeah, one, one of the wineries that we like, and then... You're going to focus on one of our favorites, right? Yeah, we're going to focus, yeah, on that, on one of the favorites. But um, we we met your We, we met, met your up with one of my brothers. And his significant other. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Eric and Marlene. And they enjoyed... Uh, well, we wanted to share with them our favorite winery. Yeah. One so, of our favorite wineries. So we went to three wineries and then... And then, and then met up with them met up on the fourth winery. <laughs> yeah, they're always late. They're always late. We know so. how to wine taste. Yeah. Yeah. Like we like scrambled. Yeah, <laughs> it was but fun. That's fun. It was fun. We had a lot of fun doing that. I think it's nice that we could do that, kind of do our own thing, mm-hmm. and then meet up with family members and do whatever we're gonna do or what we planned, and and that way it gives us time to to just do our you know just our own thing. Yeah. No, it, it was good. Mm-hmm. It was good. I really enjoyed it. I, I like going to Temecula, and because um, it's, it's close to here, we're like um, a little over an hour away. Uh, depending who's driving if I'm driving it's an hour away if Jasmine's driving it's a half an hour away <laughs> yeah sorry well we got stuck behind a truck oh my that word that was very annoying and then we saw him in Temecula right? oh, we and you were like that's the guy the that's the guy <laughs> we followed him all the way to Temecula and then later on when we were leaving like our second winery he came uh, oh like, no we were going home you're like follow him run yeah. him off the road <laughs> oh gosh oh that was horrible because it's a single lane all the way through Highway 75 for until you hit like I had one or two opportunities I didn't do it and I I, oh god I hated myself for like an hour for like well like about 40 minutes we had to look at that little orange tag sitting there floating (laughs) behind the truck is it because you hesitated because there was cars coming or I don't remember what well like in the in the open areas he was doing the 60 65 I'm like okay I'm comfortable with that yeah and then he 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 got to the turns and then you're doing 30 and I'm like oh man I'm regretting that I should have done the 70 but you were saying like the the problem when you're doing those one-way highways through like what, what would you call that road it's not rural Oh, you mean going to... to well, when you're going through a road like that, and there's like one lane going one way and one lane going the other way. Yeah. And you're going through like a... We're going through the mountain. Mm-hmm. You know, but people usually will turn off. Yeah, but some people... some don't. There's like a small percentage of an mm-hmm. attitude problem, and you were pointing that out because some people have an attitude. They don't want to pull over. Yeah, they don't want to pull over. Even though that's the courteous thing to do. If we were in the truck, he would have pulled over. Yeah. But we were in my car. We were in the car, in the yeah. square little car. And when you're in a car it's and like the sky's in this lifted four-wheel drive truck... It's like, um, I'm not going to get out of the way for you. You know, and, and <laughs> I shouldn't talk about that, but... Well, but I mean, he always it's, talks something, about how, it's something I think we can talk about because yeah. it's something we had to deal with. Here we are, like, starting off our day going to wine country. Our mm-hmm. closest wine country. Mm-hmm. Are you playing a game on your on your tablet? No, I'm taking pictures because <laughs> I'm going to post them on Instagram. A little stinger. I'm playing with my tablet. My mom and dad got me. Solitaire. I won. This is all for Instagram okay. for our wine for online. Yeah. I thought you were no. you were playing games. No, no, no. I don't a, have a little bit of Angry Birds. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. Attention deficit disorder. I don't oh, have that. Yeah, 
<laughs> what? No. <laughs> no. So we met with her brother, um, <clears throat> her youngest brother, and then we met with uh, his. He brought. They his, brought her. Yeah, a Marlene, and then she they brought, brought her niece. Her niece, cousin, yeah. yeah. She was really sweet. Very she sweet. She was really sweet. Yeah. I I asked her a joke. I asked her, um, uh, "What is a fish with no eyes?" And she looked it up on the internet. I'm like, what are you doing? She She's like, I'm looking it up. I'm like, no, no, you, you think about it. But I guess it's not I'm the generation sorry, but anymore. like every kid is going to have their device, whether you're looking at them or not. Oh, you're talking and, them on the phone, and they're going to use their little cheaters. But they, it's, it's like this is something on. you're supposed to you're supposed yeah. to think about it, you know, and use your... Their generation doesn't. Use your mental abilities. Like yeah. there are some times when we're talking about... Uh, we're talking about actors, and I'll look some up, but there's some of them where I, I have to think about it. Yeah. Just let me sit down and think yeah, about it. Yeah, you want your brain to remember. You yeah. don't want to have to look it up. <clears throat> You're trying to make your brain work because you know it's in there. Yeah, we've come to rely on these electronic devices. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying that mm-hmm. I think sometimes we need to just go back and think on our own yeah. sometimes. Like, I remember when we had to remember numbers. Yeah. I remember, I used to have to remember everybody's numbers, mm-hmm. all my friends' numbers. I don't know how, numbers how we did it. Numbers are hard for most people, I think, yeah. to remember. Because a phone number, or, or even when you had a text, when text, <clears throat> or what were those called? Pagers. <clears throat> oh, yeah. When pagers came out. Yeah, you had to remember that. I think my first, my first device I got was when they first came out with cell phones. Yeah, oh. But I remember yeah. pagers because people had pagers when I was, like... Mm-hmm. No, I had a Motorola a pager um, in '91. '92? Yeah. Did they have cell phones? I just they had cell phones. Um, my dad had one. Um, it was a huge battery. It was like the size of a oh my God. Of like a, a, a notebook. Oh. And then there was a little handset on the top, and then so the whole thing was battery. Oh. And then. Well, um, by '95 or '96, I think my phone was like this. Yeah. Well, a, a Nokia. But it had, I had a Nokia. Yeah. And it had a little thing antenna. I think. Yeah, Nokia and Ericsson are like the first, and Motorola are the first oh. ones that had those small little flip phones. I might have had a Motorola. I don't remember. But you had to pay per minute. I think it was and a flip phone. It was like a dollar a minute. Mm. And I, I remember my, my dad's phone bill would be like. $150 a month mm-hmm. and he'd only spend an hour on the phone yeah. you know they, yeah they charge a dollar a minute and and back in 1991 and 1992 a minimum wage was 425 you mm-hmm. weren't you weren't getting paid that much I remember you know, I had so. a page a couple of friends like because I, I didn't have a pager mm-hmm. and I just remember having to know like this Oh, code you put in there? Yeah, you got to press like a pound, the number, and then a star. I only did it a couple of times. Yeah, and then you would page them. And then cell phones came out, and I was like, oh, okay, or whatever they're called. And and I think on, because we have uh, Verizon, I think when you leave a message, it'll say uh, press one if you want a page, press two Mm -hmm. if you want to send a text. And every once in a while, I'll get a page. Oh, really? Yeah, from a client. Yeah, they just want to send a page. Oh. No, it's easier I didn't for know them. that they still did that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My phone doesn't do that. That's weird. Yeah. So we, uh, going back to Temecula, I don't know how to segue this. Wine. Okay, uh-huh. there we go. <laughs> wine. Temecula wine country. Yeah, there Temecula wine country. So we did. We went to three different wineries before we went to our favorite one, which was Dofo. The Dofo winery. And um, the owners are Italian-born, and then they moved to Argentina, 
in the early 1900s. And this was the father who started Dofo Winery. His family migrated from Italy to Argentina. I think it was his grand... His, his grand... His dad? His grandfather oh. moved from... Yeah, immigrated oh. to the United States. But there's a picture... I don't know when that is. And I think in the background, there was like a Triumph, um, a motorcycle. In the Every background. time we go there, I try to see if the family members are there. None yeah. of them are there. Well, I yeah. want to, I know no, they're, busy. they're busy, but I yeah. would like to meet them just yeah. so I could talk to them. It would be nice. It'd be nice. I'm going to start emailing a winery seeing if they want to talk to us. You want to tell them how much yeah. you appreciate their wine. You want to like have a conversation with them. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so Adolfo Winery. Uh, Dofa Winery got first place in 2019. I wrote it down. You're talking about the award? Yeah, the 2019 oh. Solerzo Winery. Solerzo Winery of the Year Award. And you're going to go into why Solerzo is so important. Yeah, that's what it's an Italian word, I think, mm-hmm. and I, I'm not sure if we're saying it right, but I'm, it it's, looks like it's spelled Solerzo. Mm-hmm. C-I-L-U-R-Z-O. So the Saluzzo Winery of the Year Award in 2019. On that same year, wine enthusiast named Temecula Valley, uh, one of the top 10 wine areas out of visit. Yeah, wine um, travel destinations. Yeah, I, I don't know if that was for the United States or the whole world. It's probably the United States. I'm just saying. I think it was for for the United States. Yeah, it probably was for the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, yeah, that was in 2019. Uh, but so Adolfo Winery, the wonderful thing I liked about this is we kind of found this on accident. Uh, and I'm so glad that we did. We found this on accident last year or the year before. We went last year, spring, early spring. Yeah, spring time. of last year. Yeah. And, you and uh, I went for the day and did that. Yeah, it was And then fun. I think we met up with my parents later. We kind of did the same thing. Yeah, we, we went did, to Adanza, we did Adolfo, Danza, Adolfo, and then we went to Botea. We met my parents there. Yeah. 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 Uh, so we went to Dofo Winery. It's a small batch winery. And this winery is known for its really bold, complex wines. These aren't what I call a... Uh, a what, 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 what would I call that? I call that a, a wine that's... Uh, uh, safe. It's yeah, not a I was safe say wine. Safe wine. Yeah. yeah, it's it's got a palate. It, it's set up for palates for people who like really bold wines. They're very. Because um, we did try yeah. some wines that day from another winery. Yeah. And they were what I would call safe wines. Yes, yeah, they're very safe. Because yeah. what you find is there are some wineries that you go to, and not a lot, but. I think people that that don't have a like you're just talking about a palate, mm-hmm. and so they'll make wines that are safe. Mm-hmm. For most people are going to buy them. I guess like a a, a richer palate, like they they don't grab for it. It's just like they taste wine, like oh this is nice. Well, and sometimes There's people wrong with that. That's yeah, just beginning yeah. stages of tasting wine, or and some people just don't have that. Well, it's like ability. people who drink a oh, rum, right? It's like there's a couple. Yeah. That you go to, and then that those are the ones that are known. Yeah. Then there's the people who really want to delve into the rum world, and then there is a, a whole line for those people. Yeah. And so I think sometimes, sometimes it's just it's the nostalgia of being at a winery um, that just sends people there. And there yeah. are some wineries that are just set up for a huge amount of people, and there's another set of wineries that are set up for. Um, 
for people who want to delve a little bit uh, deeper into the wine yeah. world? Well, when you find a place like Dofu and it's a small batch winery, you mm-hmm. see the difference, you know, and yeah. what kind of wines they make and what, like, what it takes to make this kind of wine. Yeah. Versus going to another place that makes it, like you said, for just a... Yeah. And people to gravitate like, to because yeah. it's a big place, a big winery. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. You can no. drink the Coke or the Dr. Pepper. Which one do you want? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, the gentleman who owns this, his name is uh, Marcello. Mm-hmm. I think is the way you, you, you said it was. Uh, he, he grew up. Uh, I'm sorry. So I'm, I'm going to go back. Marcello's grandfather uh, of Italian ancestry, he immigrated to Argentina. It says in the early nine, uh, 1900s, they, uh, they grew soybeans, corn, and they raised a cattle there in Argentina. Uh, Marciello, who was the owner of Adolfo, he grew up on the land uh, and he loved cultivation. He he loved the way that uh, things grew and he loved a cattle. They, so, they, the family took to agriculture and farming. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, it was all about agriculture and farming. So in um, early into his adulthood, Marciello immigrated to the United States uh, for a short time, and then he returned to Italy and visited his great uncle. And his great uncle learned or taught him how to make wine in his basement because he made just his own little uh, wines in his basement. And then um, Marcel returned home uh, to the United States and he created a few batches of wine in his garage. Uh, and then he decided to expand his knowledge, and he went to, yeah, and he he wanted to expand his knowledge. And in 1997, he was awarded the silver medal from the Orange County Wine Society. And so as soon as he got that, the same year that that happened, which is 1997, he bought the the, the land in Temecula. It's an old cattle uh, old cattle farm. So, uh, Marciello, he installed the first set of uh, trellises and all the irrigation uh, by hand. I think it was by himself. I think it said painstakingly. Um, he did that by himself. So, he's very proud of his, his winery. And I was watching a video on him, and he said that he just wanted to have people over to drink the wine that he made. It wasn't supposed to be a business. Yeah. He just wanted to have this small little farm. Say something yeah. that he could do for his friends, like coming over. Yeah. Something to do with his kids, too. I think he wanted something to do with his kids from what we were watching a video on them. Yeah. Yeah. And they were kind of, the family was talking about that, like something to do. Yeah. He just, he just, he, he wanted to just share his wine with, uh, with uh, people. Mm-hmm. And then he planted um, his first uh, vines were Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, Syrah, and a small a per- a percentage of a Petite Verdo and uh, Cabernet Franc. Four years later, he made his first wine, which was dubbed Mistura, M-I-S-T-U-R-A. Uh, yeah, Mr. is his, his a mothership. We have our windows open right now because it's really a nice outside. It's like 72 or 73 degrees we're supposed to be 100 by thursday so we're really enjoying this so sorry if you guys hear any noises in the background yeah we can't help but enjoy this <laughs> yeah beautiful wine. really nice 
So yeah, his first wine was Mistura. It said four years later, so I'm I'm guessing 1987. So 2001 is my guess. It, it doesn't say what year was his first year. So between 2001 and 2003, probably. He has three children, uh, Damien, and then he has uh, Bridget and Samantha. And he assisted in the winemaking, helped uh, develop the wine, the wine, you know, uh, uh, the vineyard. He helped uh, develop it when he started getting old enough to do that. And then he grew to have a very sophisticated uh, palate at a very young age. And he really enjoyed working alongside his father. And I heard a story that he said, oh, one day I'm going to own this winery. And his dad <laughs> his dad said, you haven't earned it. You haven't earned it. And I guess it really woke him up. <laughs> so he decided to go to uh, Cal Poly. And then he ran another uh, company for a little while he, before he came back to his dad. And then his dad eventually put him in charge as a general manager of Dofo. And then he slowly made him into the winemaker. Mm-hmm. And then now he's the CEO uh, of Dofo. He said CEO, winemaker, and... Yeah, and general and, manager. And general manager. Yeah, so he's, he's a pretty involved. Winemaker, general manager, and CEO. Yeah, he's very involved. Um, and then his dad started stepping back. His his father is really into motorcycles. Uh, uh, Marcial is really into motorcycles. Um, and if you go on to the Adolfo Winery uh, plot, when you go on to his vineyard, he's got about 200 motorcycles that are mounted everywhere, uh, motorcycles and scooters, and he likes to rebuild them. He likes to uh, collect them. He's enjoyed them from a young age. Again, if you look at his uh, pictures on the Dofo wi- uh, website, you'll see in the background, he's just a little kid. He's probably like seven. There's uh, a motorcycle in the background. Again, it looks like a, a Triumph. I- I'm not a big motorcycle geek. Yeah, there was a Triumph. Yeah, they had some nice <clears throat> bikes there. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, are. Really nice. And he's got some, and then he was doing an interview on U- on YouTube. It was a YouTube interview. I don't know who did the interview, but behind him, there's an old Ducati. It was oh, a, yeah, they had Ducatis. Yeah. Those are nice. Yeah. yeah, they're beautiful bikes, especially now. They're just beautiful bikes. They're so fast. Uh, so, yeah, that's Damien. <clears throat> and then uh, Bridget, uh, she runs the, she's the tasting room director. Mm-hmm. And Samantha is an events coordinator. Wasn't a lot of information on them. I w- wish I had more because I don't want it to seem like I'm focusing on the son more than the daughters. But that's the information that they gave me. But what they did say is that without the daughters, Dofo would not be the travel destination that it is now. So they have a huge involvement in this. Um, they keep things going and running. And I'm sure they're very involved in the background. But... Um, yeah, that was... Uh, oh, another cute little thing that I saw, too, is he's installed speakers throughout the whole vineyard. And oh, yeah. when the grapes are growing, he plays music out of the vines. That's so cool. <laughs> he says he thinks it helped. It might help. You never yeah. know. Well, some people... It's like how some people believe that if they talk to their plants or their trees, mm-hmm. that they grow better or they grow more or they'll have more flowering. Or... They do. And I read something on MSN years ago because I've talked to a lot of clients about this. They, I said if you walk up to your plants and talk to them, that, that, that they'll grow better. 
they're like, really? Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, yeah, but it's based on the carbon dioxide. Yeah. So you're releasing carbon dioxide when you're talking to a plant. Right. And, and they love that. They'll take it in through the leaves. It'll get trapped in the soil. It's actually the, roots the will science take it in. behind it. Yeah, it's a science behind it. But, I mean, that's they, what helps. Yeah, and they're talking to their plants. It helps. So um, I don't know what vibrations and music uh, gives off, but... Maybe there is something with that. Well, you, I don't know if you remember that uh, there's a there's a bourbon whiskey called Blackened. Oh yeah. And it's yeah. by Metallica. Oh. And they play their music, <laughs> and the distill the vats or vibrate. Oh, so they say they it makes their when they're playing their guitar and everything that it mm-hmm. makes their. Um, oh yeah playing their music that it adds to their hmm. product and makes it taste better hmm. so i've had it yeah it's really good but i don't it's know all from their a ride the lightning and yeah in master of puppets mm-hmm. <laughs> master of puppets uh, yeah. albums because those are the hardest ones yeah. yeah or maybe it's from their black album who knows so um, whether you're a winemaker or a viticulturist or a, a master distiller or even somebody famous that owns you know like a whiskey or spirit or whatever Mm -hmm. um they it's like talking to your plants like uh marcello playing music for his vines Mm -hmm. and it's all applies to the same principle i think they really think it helps you know it it might help him too it might help him he's like i'm doing this this is an extra thing i'm doing this and it probably makes him feel better as well so I, I can see that. There. They're passionate about what they believe in or what they do. Yeah, that's correct. He talks about that, his family, and their passion, and yeah. their drive. Yeah, they do have a lot of drive. They really they, do. For making this, these delicious wines. Mm-hmm. I, um, another thing I wanted to bring up about Marcial is uh, what they did um, on their farms in Argentina in between the soybeans and the corn they would put these ground cover uh, uh, crops um, in the middle. And what, what that does is it, it reduces erosion. And it also says he doesn't have to till the soil either. Yeah, he said there's no tilling, and it yeah. controls the erosion, yeah. And yeah. It does it between the rows. Yeah. And he applied that here in he his did. vineyard in Temecula. Yeah. So uh, th- those are some interesting facts about Adolfo. Just uh, one of those uh, diamonds in the rough that I think... Mm-hmm. Uh, that we found out there. Oh yeah, for sure. A lot of their wines have high ratings. Um, oh, they're getting a lot of yeah. reviews from high barrel scores. Yeah. They're getting recognized, I think, every year. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, so. they do. I think yeah, a 2019. I don't know. There the wasn't probably a lot of awards last year because no. of COVID, but maybe 2021 they'll start up again. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's. My take on on in Jasmine, we'll talk about the wine. I we haven't forgotten about the wine. Yeah, though. we'll talk about the wine but, first, and then I'll talk about a little bit about the history of Temecula. But it was just it just talking about meeting up with uh, my brother and his his uh, significant other and their niece and um, and us. And we you know it was just an, it was a really nice day, real calm, beautiful weather. The drive was pretty. You know, it's such a nice drive from uh, the from the lower valley through Temecula being a higher valley, it's higher elevation, cooler weather up there, but it was, it was nice and cool down here. Um, but my brothers drove in from Irvine. So he has a little bit of a a longer drive. He tries to meet up with us or they both do. I think that was like our second time. 
we um, it's kind of like our thing that we're doing together with them is we try to meet up and taste wines and it's like, like Brian was saying it's like the closest place to, to go I mean it's so convenient to where we're located here in the desert yeah. but what we ordered was there we each got like a wine flight so Brian and I got a wine flight and my brother and Marlene got a wine flight and we ordered two different kinds on our wine flight we had Mistura 2018 which was a 60% Cabernet Sauvignon and a 40% Syrah blend and then all of them were 2018 so we had a Zinfandel and we had a Syrah and then we had a special release cab and we researched uh, their fermentation on the special release cab was a blend of American oak, new American oak and new French oak and they've uh, had 23 months of barrel, uh, I mean barrel for age fermentation on that so um, that was their small batch release for their cab that one got a 91 uh, rating by Wine Enthusiast. And I think out of the four, the Mysteria, Zimbandel, Syrah, and Special Release, we like that one the best. And when we tried the Mysteria 2017, that was our favorite last year when we tried mm-hmm. it the first time. Yeah, the, in fact, the 2017 right now is on sale for like 54 bucks. It's usually you 72. Two. You get two. Yeah, if you buy two, you get them $54 a piece Uh this is a small batch winery just so you guys know so the prices are high on these boogers Mm -hmm. but they're really good yeah and then um Eric got a different uh flight I do you remember the other two he got the special release cab on his and then he got a salute right Mm -hmm. and then he got Mystera Mm -hmm. and then he also got the Syrah he didn't get the so Syrah. the only yeah. difference between our our flights was he got the salute and we got the he got the we got one each different on our flights because I ordered them a different flight. Yeah, he got the uh, salute. Okay, and we got and then, the Zinfandel. Okay. And we got the Zin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and then they liked the the Cabernet release so much that they ended up getting an each another glass of that afterwards. And then we we ordered food. They have two different ways you can order food one is through the winery and then one was through their catering uh little kind of restaurant on the side that they own yeah i think it's because of a covid they usually have their uh, kitchen open but because of covid they brought in they have a different yeah they have a catering service yeah so it's like set up standard for covid right to make food yeah it was good. It was good. Yeah, everything's got, outdoors. You yeah. got pulled pork uh-huh. sandwich, and mm-hmm. I think Eric and Marlene got pulled pork also. Yes. And then I got a tri-tip. Mm-hmm. My my sandwich paired really nice with the special release cab and the uh, Mistura, because the Mistura was a little bit more higher in acidity, mm-hmm. and this, the steak that I had was a real lean piece of steak, and it was... Um, Topped in the sandwich with this arugula, um, I think a mustard seed grain kind of mixture. And it was between a really nice ciabatta bread. And then they made these awesome like skinny fries that were just seasoned really nice. And Mm -hmm. it went well with those uh, heavier boulder cabs, or heavier varietals. But the cab was very smooth, 23 Mm -hmm. months. It was. It was, It was just awesome it went good with with the pulled pork because it was laced with a cabbage and then there was a little bit of uh, what do they put in there it's, it's kind of like a watery like um in your sauce in your sandwich in the sauce in the sandwich it was like, like a, au jus 
It was probably like an au jus sauce, yeah. yeah. And, it, and it stuck the cabbage together. Oh. It was, it was a little watery, but... Well, au jus, they usually put on meat. <clears throat> so with the cabbage, they do like a, a, like a lime or citrus. Mm-hmm. Did they put like a mayonnaise? I didn't taste yours. It wasn't a mayonnaise, no. So it, it was just it like... Was, you, you tasted the you taste it was really thick in a cabbage mm-hmm. and then there was this white but like a, like they had a marinade or a sauce they put it in yeah it, it, it might have soaked up moisture from the meat from the yeah. pulled pork but it, it went w- with the cab as well so and then did you yeah. like it with anything else or yeah i i so the 2018 mistura is good the 2017 mistura is excellent yeah. so i was really like yeah. it just shows you but that get the went, Mister twenty eighteen and let it age a little because yeah, yeah. it's a cab, mostly cab. Yeah, so they they say to let it sit for about thirty six months. Yeah, is what they're recommending or twenty four to thirty six months. To develop more yeah. for the twenty eighteen. The yes. twenty seventeen we had last year, it was already yeah. there, um, mm-hmm. but you could definitely age it more. The special release cab, they were I forgot to mention. They also suggest that even though it tasted awesome already. They suggested you age it for another two to three years after you buy it. Right, that's what we we read. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. They, they 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 do they do say to put it put it in your cellar or put it in your mm-hmm. or like we have a wine fridge, yeah. so put it in your wine fridge for a, a little while. Yeah, and then normally, uh, just a traditional cabernet is between ten to twelve months fermentation barrel fermentation on that. So. It shows you the difference of special release reserve. Mm-hmm. The longer time, obviously, in the barrels. So it was 23 months made a, a nice, uh, just real silky, velvety. It had a great body to it, very dense. No, it was so good. But the fruits were like, it wasn't like fruity, but no. you tasted this just flavor. No, that was spicy and bold. Spicy, yeah. bold, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's, um, so, and the difference too is, I don't know if you covered this, but the Cabernet Sauvignon, the regular one, is, is American oak only. No, I didn't add that in. Okay, yeah, yeah. So. so the special reserve, and they didn't say how long that they, that they let the leaves build up on that. I, I, I think they were talking, um, you know, it's probably your standard 10 to 12 months. Um, that's a guess. I'm not saying that's what it is, that's a yeah. guess. Uh, I think so, that's standard, 12 to 10 months on a regular Cabernet. Uh-huh. And then um, that was, you said they just use regular American, or they use American oak only. American oak only. And, and then the special, special reserve. A yeah. New American oak with new French oak. Yeah. It was American and the French oak for 23 months. It had a mix. It didn't say the percentages. Uh, it's probably yeah. a 50 50 blend. It might be. Most of the mm-hmm. time it's a 50 when they're new. So. Um, and then a little bit about the, just a little bit about the history. Um, well, first of all, the location. I think most people know that where Temecula is if they live in Southern California. So it's 60 miles north of San Diego and 90 miles southeast of Los Angeles. And it's at the heart of California's South Coast wine region. So Temecula officially became an AVA or American Viticultural Area in 1984. And Temecula has a microclimate that's well-drained, um, and this adds to their the success of their vineyards and, and the grape production. The soils are mostly composed of minerals of granite, and it has an elevation of 1,500 feet that makes that microclimate have cool summer nights, which allows cool breezes to come through the afternoon throughout the entire summer. So that's 
that's pretty much the stability of the climate. It makes a consistency of that, those, those breezes put a consistency through that uh, temperature. And the Temecula area, its beginnings actually started off with a stagecoach in the 1850s. So the railroad line was what boosted Temecula's economy um, in 1882. And the American prohibition of the 20s and 30s um, became a very actually stabilizing uh, event for Temecula as well because they did their share of bootlegging and speakeasies during that time. So throughout um, throughout Temecula, they had taverns and bars and uh, what you would call blind pigs or blind tigers. And these were often operated, of course, by organized crime members. But they... <laughs> They had their share. I just think it's it's interesting because I, you know, Temecula is not any different from any other place <laughs> that was trying to sell alcohol. Mm. So, um, and in, in what I found was interesting is the start of the actual wine production was due to this Hollywood couple in 1967. Their names were Vincencio and Audrey Solorso, which we had brought out that the 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 awards in Temecula are called the Solerso Wine, Wine of the Year Awards. So this couple is actually why that, that was founded by them, because they were the first to purchase 80 acres, of, or sorry, 40 acres of property on this long dirt road that was known as Long Valley Road. There was nothing out there, it was just dirt. It was this long, huge um, road of dirt. And later on, that became what everyone knows as the Rancho California Road. That's the modern-day name for it. Okay. And the Solerso, uh, the Solersos established their first modern uh, commercial uh, vineyard in Temecula in um, 1968. So they bought the property in 1967. Not too long, 1968, they, they planted the first vineyard. So later on, um, everybody knows the Callaway Winery, which I'm pretty sure because of Eli Callaway. He's a professional famed golfer, and this was in 1974. And I actually went there to Callaway in 2019. I think I went there. I went, did this, like, wine tasting day. And I stopped there. At one, that was, like, my last stop. And um, they've been there for a long time. They're actually... Uh, one of the reasons why the so the Solerso started the wine uh, whole wine uh, vineyard and establishment, but then Callaway is the one that marked the beginning of the large production wines. So they're the ones that that came in and started making like their winery became well known, and they were just pumping out wines like by the barrels. I mean, they were the ones that started off the economy for that area. And others followed. So in 1981, um, Callaway sold their winery to Hiram Walker and Sons. And that's another uh, big name in the wine industry world. And so they owned that since 1981. And then John Poole opened Mont um, Polomar Wineries in 1975. And then in 1978, the Solerzos actually went and purchased a different piece of land away from their original site and opened up another vineyard. And so Temecula's, one of, well, Temecula's oldest winery is 
called Maurice Carey Winery, um, which we, I don't think we saw when we were up there. I don't believe we like passed that on our way. We have to look that one up. It's a big area. It's a really big area. It is. So um, Temecula actually has like a total of 40 wineries throughout their valley. And modern day Temecula wine country is located east of um, Rainbow. I believe it's Rainbow. I'm trying to remember. It's east of Rainbow. Um, I think it's called Rainbow Gap, just like how Paso Robles has Templeton Gap. It's one of their areas. Um, it's called Rainbow Gap. And so that's the um, today's modern day wine community. And it's it's just grown largely since their humble beginnings of back in the days when the railroad uh, started at all the railroad line in the 1850s. Mm-hmm. So that's the history I got on Temecula. Yeah. Well, uh, I want to say something about Mount Apalomar. <clears throat> it's out near the San Diego area over there, and it's got a wonderful, uh, what do you call those big uh, telescopes? So those big, they, they got a, um, what do you, you call mean it? a Hubble? Observatory. Oh, observatory. They have a, a big, beautiful observatory. So if you're ever out there and you have some extra time, go to the Mount Apalomar, because you're bringing up uh, uh, Palomar Mountain Winery. And you can see it from from Temecula. You can see Palomar Mountain. Oh, wow. It's really tall, and it's really cold up there. But that's why they like it up there. That's yeah. why they like it because when it's cold, you don't get those a wavy. Uh, what do you call them? They're like a waves in the air because when it's hot, you, there's like a waves in the air. Oh, conven- convection. Yeah, something like that. It has to do with yeah. the heat. Which I don't oh. know why they put an observatory in in Rancho Mirage. Yeah. I think it's a waste of money because it's stinking hot over here. Yeah. You can only see it through the winter. Oh, I grew up uh, going to the Griffith Observatory oh, in yeah. L.A. Yeah. Oh, it was so uh, funny. You go up this road and you're you're up high in this high mm-hmm. elevation. You know, you're looking down at Hollywood and you see all the city. Mm-hmm. But you go the the road actually takes you pretty steep up there. Yeah. So it was what I I only my experience with telescopes is being on that kind of area and looking through the you know telescopes with that higher elevation it's cooler up there and you're because i grew up in the city there's lights everywhere from buildings so they have to build things higher up so you could just see like the the stars Mm -hmm. and so you get a good you know visuals of planets and things during certain parts of the year um my aunt and my uncle would take us over there just to see certain like planets and maybe comets or constellations that you could not you know during the winter we would see go over there and see certain ones and then um in the springtime so Mm -hmm. but it was a lot of fun and i i have not been to the one rancher mirage but you're saying it's not worth it well i i just think only go in the winter yeah or late at night but our summertime our night times are in the 90s Mm -hmm. i i just don't Maybe they have a special a telescope that takes the waves out. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Or maybe I don't understand it as much as I should. But there's one thing about you can see. You can see uh, planets in the movies or on TV, but when you look through a telescope and you could see Jupiter or Saturn with your own eyes through a telescope, mm-hmm. it's a totally different experience. Oh, yeah. And um, you know, another reason why I remember Palmer Mountain is because when we lived in Valley Center for a year and a half or two years, uh, and then we came back to the desert, 
the main road going up into Valley Center was Palmer Mountain Road, mm-hmm. and then Oak Tree Road, and then our ranch was was right there. Mm-hmm. But the uh, Palmer Mountain means, I mean, that's a pretty significant name for me. I, I just, I don't know. Whenever I hear that, I remember my dad taking me up there as a kid, mm-hmm. looking at the observatory. So we'll yeah. have to go check it out one day with you. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's a long, it's a walk and everything, but. And the telescope is giant. I'm surprised my other brother never talked about that since he lived over there in San Diego for some years. Well, maybe he never went there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll ask him. Uh, yeah. And then another thing, <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, my, my mom had a firebird, and she was going on Palmar Mountain Road, and then my dad told me, your mom's been in an accident. She hit some ice on Palmar uh, Mountain Road. And in my head, in my little six-year-old head, I'm thinking some jerk took ice cubes and threw them all over the road. My mom slipped on them, and I was Aww. so mad at that person. Aww, was, that's so cute. <laughs> isn't that weird? That's cute. That's what I remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of dumb. So a Palmar oh, Mountain Road six. means it's I know. That's it's just like cute. who would dump ice on the road? Or let my mom have an accident? The, that guy was mean. You the know, innocence of a child. Yeah, mind. child mind. Mm-hmm. It's like when we we're driving past the. Uh, a sort. I think we have over two thousand huge windmills. I just told my daughter when she was a kid that if the windmills stop, it means California is going to break off the United States. Oh. <laughs> They're stopped, Daddy. <laughs> it keeps California attached to mm-hmm. attached to the rest of the United States. That's fun. Yes. Oh. So mine believes everything you hear. Yeah, the things you do to yeah. children. Mm-hmm. I should probably cut that one out because that's yeah. mean. <laughs> Up to you. Yeah. Oh, well, but yeah. So if you have a chance, go to uh, Temecula. Um, I know it's not talked about a lot. We always talk about uh, Napa, Sonoma, uh, Willamette when you start going up north, you know, and uh, Columbia Valley. But uh, uh, you know, uh, Temecula. Made their mark. Yeah, yeah. They're starting to uh, really come around. I mean, but they've really they've really grown since then. I mean, mm-hmm. you, they became an. A, um, an AVA region, you know, in that year, but that's just a start. And then what comes after that is what, like all the backbone, you know, and then you have the backbone and then you grow into what you're going to become. And as these winemakers have gotten to know their area, you were bringing out the soil type there is more like a loam. It's, it's, sandy like a, it's a sandy, sandy loam. soil. I thought it was clay. When I was looking at it, it looked like it was clay. So maybe a majority of it's sandy loam. There's got to be a little bit of clay in there to hold on. But that contributes to the fact of why their soils are so well drained and mm-hmm. why their yeah. their vineyards are grown on uh, hillsides too. Yeah, they're in light slopes. So we were looking at one when we were leaving Adolfo Winery. There's a vineyard across the street from them. Mm-hmm. And there's these flat plains with these small divots into washes, mm-hmm. and they only planted the vines in the washes. They didn't plant them up on the on the flat hilly you know areas. And that's what that does. Is it, I um, I worked in uh, uh, what do you call those when you uh, create like a water retention basin? Uh, so I used to work in, in, in retention uh, basins, and the temperature difference is usually uh, 10 degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, just in like a little 10 to 20 foot uh, difference. So I'm sure they did that for a good reason. Maybe they wanted to get that that frost in the winter to help with the bud break uh, later when it hits spring. 
or you know I, I, I need to look up on why they do that but it was really neat the scientific r reasons why they plant in the washes it depends what grape they're plant they've, yeah. they've planted there too mm -hmm. okay. as to why they put that specific plant yeah, right there yeah yeah mm. so really interesting things a lot of things to research we'll be talking more about tobacco so yeah. Yeah. So we'll go back there. Next week we will be talking about the Canary Islands. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this. I'm I really want to talk about this because that's someplace I love because we have a lot of plants out here from the Canary Islands and I'll go into that later. But, we tried a, a really pretty wine from the Canary Islands. Yeah, it was yummy. So we can talk about that for next week. Yep. So next week Canary Islands. Anything else to add? Uh no, just thanks for listening and we hope you guys were able to do something fun um you know everybody's got busy schedules but now that everything's kind of i think kind of coming down and opening up mm -hmm. I, more people are doing things i mean even anza was busy for anza it was. <laughs> anza was a happening town before we got to temecula so yeah they had uh, they had like showing a, you a local a flea market was there yeah well yeah. everybody was out yeah yeah, so, yeah, just, I hope everyone's having fun, too, and not just working, but enjoying, enjoying life as best they can. Alrighty, guys. Okay. Wine from on the vine to the road tasted, and um, if you can, go to Temecula. Yeah. See, talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye-bye.